Welcome to the hot summer sun. Welcome to the corner of Hunter and George, episode number 22, Peterborough's art and cultural podcast, Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Well, I, I guess I'm supposed to say, oh, uh, you know, if you can leave me a four or five star review on Spotify or Apple or can you do that in SoundCloud? I don't know. I don't Maybe find me some sponsors I, I what am i what else am i supposed to say oh click and send your friends that crap no i don't really care about any of that you you can do none of that for all i care you can even send me negative reviews you can even send me a few trolls you can you can rip me apart say what the hell are you doing this for something like that that that's even more of a compliment or just nothing Anyway, on this episode, even though I've, yes, I've said it's Peterborough's Art and Cultural Podcast, which it is, and I will stand by that, we always have to delve into the real politic, or in this case, just our upcoming municipal election this fall. Still a while away. We're in the depth of summer right now. People don't want to hear hear about it. So this is maybe a podcast I can see being consumed more as we get into September, definitely October kind of thing. Well, anyway, one candidate that is running in, I think we describe it as the Ward 1 or the South Autonomy Ward of Peterborough, Ward 1, Shante White. And in that Ward, she is running against both Leslie Parnell and I believe Kevin Duguay are the only other ones. Yes, Ward 1 of the Autonomy South End. Um, we're going to... I've really had it up to here with Zoom, but you're going to hear, hopefully I've gotten rid of any technical difficulties that came up on this interview. Not the first time, as you may recall. I'm going to try and get rid of those, but we're going to have just, just a bit of a discussion, getting to know Shantae White, getting to hear her stances. Those of you who are politically insightful enough may remember she was the candidate in the federal election from 2021 for Peterborough Kawartha for the Green Party and impressed quite a few people in some debates. She just seems to be have a strong head on her shoulders and full of ideas. Trent grad herself environmental studies cares a lot about our environment and it just she's someone also though who believes in a lot of sort of diplomacy is a way of getting things done so you're getting to hear that on this episode and this podcast or my interview with Shantae White so I hope you uh, thanks thanks for joining me thank you for having me I'm so excited okay well that's that's good to hear um yeah, I, I heard you had some painful dental procedure done uh, yesterday. Was it? Uh, so I hope I hope yeah. you're recovering okay from that. Uh, yeah, two cavities and my metal retainer got loose, and it was it was a mess. <laughs> okay, probably a bit pricey too. But uh, yeah, but uh, well, yeah. I I hope hope you're feeling okay. Thank um, you. If you if you're hearing any uh, piano music in the background, that's just my stepson doing his sporadic practices. So it's, uh, it's not it's not meant as a practice. It's not, <laughs> it's not meant as a soundtrack. I mean, yes. Um, so um, so yeah. So I uh, I'm very yeah I'm very excited to talk to you. Obviously, because you're running in 
or the correct wording order of it is, but Ward 1, Autonomy South End. Yes. Uh, I, I think right now it's both uh, it's both Leslie Parnell and Kevin Duguay you're running against. That's yes. correct. Yes. Yes. Well, we definitely will will get into that. But um, I guess I was wanting to start with uh, your 2021 experience there of running for the Green Party federally. Um, and uh, I guess I just am curious what uh, what made you run in that that election, and most more importantly, what did you take from that experience? Okay. So I am a political studies minor, and I've always had an interest in politics and activism and following a hurricane in 2017 in Mexico, I sort of went into overdrive when it came to my activism, when it came to the climate emergency, as well as politics. Um, So once I returned home, I started volunteering with an organization called Future Majority, it's a youth-led, nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that really aims to encourage young people to get involved in politics, whether it be through knowledge or experience. And I use the knowledge that I learned there uh, to sort of launch my political career, so to say. Um, and I've never looked back since. I was contacted by a member of the Green Party, and they... Uh, told me about an opportunity and they said that they thought that I would be a great fit for the party and for the nomination. So I just went with it and yeah, I'm so grateful to have gone down that road. I learned a lot during my federal campaign. Um, I learned what the community wants for itself. I was so fortunate to be received so well within the community um, and I was able to learn from so many great community leaders. Um, and I had an amazing supportive team behind me that really made the experience so positive, which is why I'm running today um, for city council, Ward 1, on October 24th. So definitely just beginning my journey in politics. Okay. Well, it's, it's good to hear that because that's uh, actually not something I hear that much from um well, definitely anyone under 30, but really the population <laughs> in general. Well, really just the population in general for a number of reasons we yeah. might get into. I guess uh, one thing I'm just curious about, because I do I do think you've mentioned somewhere how much, you know, uh, you were somewhat inspired by now former Green leader, Annamy Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, are, you, are you a little worried about the state of the Green Party right now about like what happened after the election or just simply results that were, I think, a bit, I think most people would interpret as being a bit stagnant for the party? Yeah, uh, I definitely was inspired by anime to see mm-hmm. um, someone that looks like me uh, being the leader of a political, like a major political party, that was such a big inspiration that also played into my decision to run. Her and I had a long conversation <laughs> before I decided to go for the nomination because I was I was really worried about things like racism and um, public scrutiny and all those little things that people tend to forget about when you put yourself forward in a role like this. Um, and I really wanted to get her perspective on a lot of things. When it comes to the Green Party as a whole, um, of course, there are things that need to be worked out similar to any other party right now. um, They're going through with their search for a new leader. So uh, candidates are invited to put in applications. If you are 
a Green Party member in good standing. So I definitely encourage anybody who is interested in uh, vying for that role to go out and do that because it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it, right? Yes, yes. And so I'm just, uh, just the last thing I'm uh, getting from that. Um, like, I, I'm glad in uh, Ontario and I think all of Canada, we are party free in our municipal elections. Yes. It is a different part. It is yes. a different political system anyway. Definitely. Uh, and I hope it stays that way. But say we were the U.S. and you had to be aligned with one party, would you still feel sort of aligned with the Green Party at this time? That's a tough one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I chose the Green Party because I agree with a lot of their values and the way that they approach a lot of situations. But I'm a little different in that I think that a lot of other parties do have good, you know, policies. And it would be amazing if we could just sort of put them all together and create <laughs> effective policy. Um, which is something that has been lacking in government, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 tough. I don't really know where I would. I, I will say the Green Party because that's it's like my home. They're mm-hmm. what brought me here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so I guess you always will feel like at least they 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 inspired you to begin. So you sort of oh for sure that way. Yes. Now going back even further in time, I guess I'm just wondering. If, wonder if there's anything you can say about your childhood in general that sort of like sort of values you got from your parents or whatever that kind of precipitate to who you are now. I know you've been talking about your Mexico experience uh, with mm-hmm. regards to politics, but I guess just generally how you approach life in general. Um, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, please do. But mm-hmm. uh, am I saying that you had a bit of a religious kind of background in somewhat in your, in your childhood? Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I grew up in Scarborough and I went to a Christian school in the area Mm -hmm. and I was raised Christian. Um, Mm -hmm. I still believe in God. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that definitely in a way played into who I am as a person. Um, When it comes to my upbringing, I was raised around a lot of arts and culture. My sister and I both danced competitively I did so for about 12 years and I went on to teach and um, being able to teach a child to dance and watch them overcome their fears and perform on stage, that type of courage and persistence and determination, those are skills that I got through dance and skills that were instilled in me throughout my whole life. And that definitely is something that I can bring to the political aspect of my life, because if I wasn't so determined, I wouldn't be doing this again and putting myself forward. You know, I have a lot of commitment to Peterborough. I said that when I was doing my federal campaign, I promised that I would be back and I would do even more to make sure that Peterborough continues to build back after this pandemic stronger than ever. Right. And I just on a personal level, I do remember seeing you live at the one debate that was at the All Saints Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you definitely came off to me anyway, someone who's like, um, I think you said something along the lines of what you're saying. And um, also someone who just um, really has a sense of confidence and firm beliefs in, Thank you. Uh, in yeah, both your, uh, what your ideals are. And definitely the at the top, there's our 
environmental challenges. Yeah. So you are a graduate of graduate of Trent's environmental studies program, as you know, and is that where you've sort of uh, gained a greater understanding or how to apply possible solutions to our many, many challenges that way? Yeah, most definitely. I sort of fell in love with environmental science in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a course, I can't remember what it was called, but I ended up doing a research project on zebra mussels and I became so fascinated with them. And, you know, I was searching, how did they get here? Why are they invasive? How do we get rid of them? And through that rabbit hole, I found Trent and I applied and, you know, I chose it because of its size mm-hmm. me, and its reputation when it comes to its environmental program. Uh, so my first year, I took the environmental um, intro course with Professor Stephen Hill, who actually was just appointed uh, the director of the School of Environment. So congratulations to him. Okay. Um, and he he he's such an amazing professor. And the way that he's able to teach and reach his students is unmatched. And I owe a lot of thanks to him as well for really pushing me and, you know, encouraging me to keep going. So for our municipal election coming up, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what I'm, I'm just curious, what you think are the major issues uh, that uh, are challenging specifically your ward in this upcoming election? So first and foremost, in my mind is of course the climate. Um, mm-hmm. It's very evident that the pandemic has left a lot um a lot to be desired when it comes to the uh, climate. Um, You know, some of the areas that come to mind when I think of areas in need would definitely be the Kennedy Road woodlot. Um, And I know there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not the snow dump is killing the trees. And I don't really think that that's the main focus of the issue. It's the fact that it's not helping the trees either. And if it's not helping improve the situation, maybe something should be done to help improve the area and the communities that live there. I mean, sorry. Um, It's okay. That that lot is right in the backyard of, you know, many community members and community leaders, but yet nothing is being done to help improve it for the community. Um, Also housing, it's a big issue. It's, present all over across all the wards. Um, People are facing housing insecurity right now, and that number is only increasing. And it will continue to grow if things are not done when it comes to new developments that are developed in a process that actually evaluate things like environmental impact, sorry, environmental impacts. Um, All of these are things that need to be looked at. Um, We've got great community organizations like PATH that are doing great work when it comes to introducing tiny homes. Um, I know they want to, they have a bit of a project that they're working on when it comes to introducing um, tiny homes in certain areas of the community to sort of uh, welcome people to the idea of having these spaces in their communities. Um, And then of course, addiction services. This is something that has been exasperated through the pandemic um, greatly um, I was talking to a voter a couple days ago and she was standing at the park with her daughter and she was so worried <laughs> to let her daughter play in the park because she was terrified that maybe she'd find paraphernalia or she would witness 
you know, a crime, a domestic situation. And that's not something that any parent wants to worry about when it's the summer and they want their kids to have fun and they want to just relax when they have that constant fear of how is the opioid epidemic impacting, you know, the lives of my children or myself. So I definitely think more needs to be done. I think a safe injection site is great. I said this during my campaign. Um, It's a great start, but more needs to be done. And so hopefully um, with his reelection, our MPP will be able to get more done when it comes to addiction services um, and housing for them. It's very important that everybody in our community feels heard and they feel like their needs are being supported by the elected officials. Yes. Um, well, that's, those, that's definitely, those issues you mentioned definitely are, you know, it's hard to think of Peter wrote definitely thinking are, are homeless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but now, yeah, when you're saying, yeah, hopefully our MPP will, uh, yeah, um, take actions that way. It's hard. It, it, that that may be an, an area of frustration. I'll just say right now. But uh, um, and I'm just wondering now. I not just you. I see other people that are running in various wards or uh, positions uh, for municipal office this this fall that I I kind of give me encouragement. But uh, you're definitely one of them. But um, I guess overall, I do you have a uh, it must be a little like you, you must have knowing you must, the, the sort of views people have that like municipal, the municipal uh, government in Peterborough like controls everything in Peterborough. But as I'm sure, you know, that's not the case. And really the province has the final say in most matters, Yeah. even though they dump a lot of responsibilities on you. Um, I guess, is there a way of sort of our, I don't know, can't really fix that but is there a sort of a way you look at that coming into this election um it's like, it's tough how do you fix yeah. <laughs> how would you even approach something like that i think it's really important that we adopt a more collaborative approach mm-hmm. um, and be less resistant to um opposing ideas mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is to have chats with the parents of my friends, friends who I know have very different political views than me. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. not to like start an argument, but I want to learn more about, you know, why is it that you think this way? Why is it that you think this should happen? So that when I come to the table and I have these discussions with other political leaders from other political parties, you know, I have a better idea of sort of their mentality and how we can go about this in a manner that is beneficial to everybody and not just the people who subscribe to the same views and ideals as you. Now, one one municipal episode or issue I was seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. being discussed today was uh, the overflow housing shelter issue. And how, how do you, what do you, what is your sort of stance on that? Um, I really don't want it to close. Mm-hmm. We need to find a way to create funding to keep this building open. Um, we just spoke about homelessness and housing insecurity. More and more people are facing this every day. So by eliminating these spaces for individuals who are encountering these 
issues is only going to make the problem worse. And of course, we know it costs money to run something like that, but let's find that money from somewhere else that's not using it in an equitable way and put it towards that because we know that the community needs this. Yes. Um, and it is, it is a highly, the overall issue of both homelessness and our, our uh, opioid crisis are both really like daunting issues that there likely is no perfect solution of, but certainly, exactly. certainly closing the overflow shelter <laughs> and having people like, uh, as, uh, just basically have more harm come to themselves on their own is not, not one of them. Um, and I guess the, the only, like when you think of those sort of, sort of issues, just, um, it, it does, I think there's people like you who sort of, uh, you know, re- realize the reality of the situation and want to do their best to like, uh, come up with a like solution. And like you're saying, talk with other levels of government. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's others who sort of think, uh, that are currently in the municipal government and, and, and the community as a whole, there's a certain segment that just feel like, I don't know, if there's enough law enforcement or if there's a certain gentrification, it'll sort of, it could fizzle away uh, sort of thing. And I mean, just, oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, no, I, no, that I'm, was my main point. <laughs> just as, yeah, that's a sort of a compete. Those are sort of a competing ideology. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. But I mean, if we look at places in America where they have increased policing and gentrified areas, that's not really helping when it comes to homelessness or addiction or crime. Mm-hmm. It, it, like I was reading a couple weeks ago about how the Peterborough police are introducing more um, officers on foot within the downtown community. And that's great. I think it's a, it, having a police presence is important, but what about vulnerable communities that already are living in fear of the police by seeing the police more present in the community, will that make them feel more safe? Will that make them live more in fear? You know, these are all things that need to be thought about and discussed when it comes to introducing big moves like this. Um, I mean, I have, there have been instances where I was out in the community and I think I was maybe in my, third year at Trent and I was held up at gunpoint at the TD ATM downtown. Oh, right. Yeah. And I was, I I don't know if I was just tired or (laughs) I I don't know what was going on, but I was captivated by what was happening. I didn't know what to do. She said, give me the money. I gave her the money. I left and I went home and I felt so scared because there were people around. Nobody did anything. Nobody helped. You know, the next day I called the bank and I went to the police and dealt with it as best I could. But in a moment like that, like had there been more police around, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But at the same time, what I felt scared being downtown at night and there being police around, maybe who knows. Right. Um, And how, 
so, um, I mean, I think the deadline for candidates applying still goes on for another two months or so. But uh, how is I guess it's really an early question, I know. But uh, how how has your campaign been going so far? Um, it's off to a great start. Um, I'm very grateful to the community for all the people who have reached out to me, um, expressing their interests in volunteering in some capacity. Of course, I'm still looking for more volunteers. You can never have enough volunteers. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the team is a little bit smaller this time, but we have a very clear plan of how we want to take board one and how we plan to do it. And we believe that we have the people on our side that will give us that advantage. And, you know, Shantae White will be elected one of your new counselors for Ward 1 South. Okay. And do you have any big upcoming plans for either like July or August, or is most of it kind of saved for September? Well, we do have some things cooking, but I'm not ready to release details just yet. But stay tuned. Um, You can head over to my website, ShantaeWhite.com, or you can email me at Shantae4Ward1 at gmail.com and I would love to get in contact with anybody that even if you just want to chat about the weather or the storm that we had a couple months ago I'd love to talk to you okay and I definitely will add this to my show notes as well um now one thing that definitely came up in our recent provincial election in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways was maybe the biggest thing to take away from it was like the 45 percent in the province who voted like that's like an abysmally low rate and yes. municipal elections have faced that for ages mm-hmm. um so is i guess do you feel like you like the main challenge in a lot of ways is not your opponents uh it's more about like just simply getting people out to vote and there even is perhaps even like a bit of a less of an awareness of a municipal election than you know, provincial or federal. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I've worked for Elections Canada in the past when it uh, when it came to voting days, and I've seen how many people show up. I remember I was working one election, and fifty six people came to vote at that polling station, and it's it, it's crazy because it's so easy to have an opinion on how you think things should go, but when you're given the opportunity to help influence how things will go. Many people oftentimes choose to leave it to the next person, but it's so important to get out and vote and vote for who you think will be the best representative of you, who you feel most connected to, who you feel will best represent your family and the community. And I believe that I'm that person for ward one, which is why I'm inviting people to come out and talk to me and, get to know me better and see what exactly I do stand for. That's why I'm so grateful for journalists like yourself who are doing independent media and getting the message out there because it's so important. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Journalist. I will not accept that term, but uh, (laughs) independent media, certainly. Okay. Thank you. Um, Now, one issue in particular, I think is important for your, uh, ward, even though, yeah, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, even though my wife, who has a lot more expertise about Peterborough than I do, because she's lived here a lot longer, mm-hmm. she even herself wonders really what should be done with Morrill Park, because it is kind of 
there's a lot of capabilities, but it's kind of like a bit of, you know, yeah. disregarding the plans of the municipality. It is kind of for years been a bit of an empty space. So yeah. how, how do you view that issue in particular? I definitely think that that space can be better used to better our community, mm-hmm. um, whether it be through like a community garden project or, um, I mean, like their plans to put the Twin Pad Arena there. Um, I think it's important that we introduce something in that area that'll help revitalize the economy and, you know, get jobs for people who are not employed. Um, I definitely want to save Morrow Park mm-hmm. and do what's, what's best for the park itself and the Morrow family. Um, but again, I'm not a counselor right now, so I don't have all of the details as to what exactly will happen in that location, whether it's too late to change it or get it moved to a different location. I, of course, don't have all the details when it comes to that, uh, but I'm committed to doing my best to making sure that that space is best utilized for the community. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure if the final... I or T has been, or I has been dotted or T crossed for that. But I believe what you were saying about the Twin Pad Arena is definitely under, like, it's pretty close to being underway. Um, is there any imp- other important issues for your ward that uh, we've not mentioned that you, I feel like you're campaigning on? <laughs> um, I mean, I think we addressed all the main issues. So. Okay. Fair enough. Now, okay, then I guess I'll take a step, another step back into the past. Now, I believe this is when you were at Trent. You tell me if I'm wrong, but you're you're part of the Climate Reality Project. Yeah. Which I believe has something to do with the beloved ex-Vice President Al Gore. Um, So maybe you can tell me about that. I honestly don't know much about that. Yeah. So I actually didn't know too much about them until I came across, like, I think it might have been an Instagram ad or something like that. And I did a bunch of research and... My sister lives in the States, so I was pretty familiar with who Al Gore was. I had seen An Inconvenient Truth, and I decided, why not? Let me apply to go to the training. So I went to the training in Toronto, and I loved it. It was a three-day intensive, and it really focused on how we got here, <laughs> what is happening around the world as a result of what, how we got here and what can be done and how we can go out after doing this training to go out into communities and tell them about, you know, the disasters that are happening around the world and what they can do on a small scale to make this world more habitable. Um, And like I said, I loved the training so much that I went to Miami for another training a couple months later. Um, And then in 2019, I was selected to be a mentor for their first virtual training um, that they did during COVID. Um, And it was so inspiring to talk to these young, amazing climate warriors who were so incredibly passionate about uh, changing the world and educating people on all of these matters that affect us all. Um, You know, during my time with Climate Reality, I have given... Al Gore's famous slideshow presentation many times 
And I've spoken in elementary schools and high schools about the growing importance of climate action and activism. And, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about. And I love that these are free trainings that people can go to. So I always encourage people, if there is a training near you, to definitely sign up because it is an experience like no other. And the connections that you make will last a lifetime. When it comes to issues like climate change, I mean, the climate change isn't very exciting. It's a little sad. So it's important to have a support system that really encourages you to strengthen your mental health and be in a more positive mindset if possible, because it can be a little, a little sad when you think about where the world is going and the fact that it was us that did it. Yes. Well, <laughs> definitely one thing. This is a bit of a meta question, but it's one thing that makes me kind of uh, sad when I think of the world and politics in general is the immense amount of uh, patriarchy that's involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, basically what women face in, in running for office. And I, yeah. I think what your recent kind of uh, support for uh, Miriam Monsef kind of mm-hmm. sh- uh, showed you have an understanding of that because uh, she definitely was one mm-hmm. and um, you know, our current mayor and there's a bunch of others. If you go yeah. outside of Peterborough as well. Um, so um yeah, I guess this is where uh, sort of a strong backbone is required. But anyway, I guess, how do you look at this view, like this sort of double standard that women face running for office? Yeah, it's definitely challenging um, because I think I actually spoke about this in my examiner article like a year ago when they interviewed me. Um, your whole life as a woman I mean, in some cases, I don't want to generalize and say this happens to everybody, but I mean, I was sort of raised with the understanding or people around me had the belief that, you know, men run the world and we're, we as women have to just sit back and listen to what they say, but I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think that anybody should. Um, I think anybody can go for anything that they set their mind to. And I always tell, um, cause I'm an educational assistant. Uh, during the day, I always tell my students, don't ever say that you can't do something because you can't do it yet. You're almost there. Just keep trying. If you want something hard enough, you will go for it and you'll get it. So trying to have that mentality and shifting things, of course, it's hard, um, but it's important. It's really important. That's why I'm doing this. Okay, great. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yes, that, that's one. That's definitely one uh, reason I sort of wanted to call out call out to you because I feel that's an immense uh, injustice that a lot of women face. Just mm-hmm. just the barrage they take on social media and so on. You know, uh, yeah. if you were someone like years ago, since you're from Scarborough, not quite the same location, but close mm-hmm. enough, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But if you were someone like Hazel McCallion. And that was before social media anyway. You maybe didn't quite face these things, but uh, most women around now do. Um, And and I must say, I must say, I was very fortunate that during my campaign, I, I didn't face any sort of, you know, like racial or um, gendered attacks, nothing like that, um, Mm -hmm. which was one of my biggest worries going into this. 
Um, and I know there, ha- there were other candidates, um, even like counselors right now who have faced a great deal of scrutiny and harassment. And uh, there's no place for that in politics. There's no place for that in Peterborough. And I definitely don't agree with that type of behavior or approach to uh, confrontations or situations. You don't need to stoop that low. Michelle Obama always says, when they go low, you go high. And I believe that 100%. Okay, exactly. Okay, exactly. Well, I think that is a positive uh, philosophy to take. Um, now, uh, and this is maybe one thing we have a bit of a pass link on, sort of. Am okay. I correct in saying you have, or maybe still are, kind of employed by Durham Catholic District School Board? Yeah, yes. Okay, <laughs> well, I am not now, but for a long time I was located by its kind of sister Durham District School Board. Okay, okay. So I guess on that issue, not your own personal experiences <laughs> or where you taught, where you've worked or anything, but um, is there any sort of things that you think are make Durham and Peterborough a lot different from each other, or is it you know mm. kind of mainly more of the same thing? Maybe based on maybe based on where you were in Durham, but overall um i don't think that they're very similar i would say maybe there are parts of durham that are similar to peterborough um that not so much where um like my family is uh but yeah there are some similarities within the areas um yeah i I don't know i personally find someone who's taught most areas in uh Durham uh-huh. uh, I, I find you know it's Ontario and it's uh, we're in the same sort of side of Toronto but mm-hmm. I, I do find there's a lot of uniqueness to Peterborough that uh, yeah. it's quite a different say from being say in the middle of Ajax or even oh, a, like sure. Oshawa sort of thing um, yeah it's just a different sort of feel of community yeah. and a bit more of a suburban kind of uh, feel you get from Durham. Not that that isn't here in Peterborough at all, yeah. but there's a little, definitely some major differences I see anyway. Yeah, there's definitely um, a different vibe in yes. Peterborough than there is in most parts of Durham. Yes. For sure. Okay. Now, I guess I'll, I'll end it on this thing here. So it is it's kind of a low season for politics. I mean, people are enjoying the weather and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are you enjoying this immense uh, heat from today? And just in general, how are you enjoying the summer? I know you're busy on your campaign, but is there any sort of activities you like to do? Or um, I really do enjoy the summer. Um, I'm not fortunate enough to have an in-ground pool, so I have a little blow-up <laughs> splash pad. So I've been enjoying that a lot today because it is a scorcher out there. Um, make sure to stay hydrated because it is... It's very hot, very hot. Um, It's very clear on days like these that climate change is real and it's here and it's affecting all of us. And we need to put in place policies that will mitigate disastrous days like this. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could argue our summer so far minus today has been kind of coolish for July. Yeah. At the same time, Europe is burning up, and I think uh, really? I think out west it's quite warm as well. So yeah. uh, maybe 
I don't know if it's quite the same as last year, but it seems somewhat similar. I know there's major forest fires in northern Manitoba, for example. So, yeah, yeah the summer is when you see a lot of these uh, these uh, climate crises come full to life, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and I wish you all the best on this campaign. And I'll I'll let you know when I have it finished. But. Well, thank you very much to Shante White for that experience, that interview. Um, the most important thing I take from that is, in this day and age, when people, justifiably so, don't have much tolerance for the politics, and I, I want to say any more, but I don't really know if we ever did really love politics. It's just how bit like tooth surgery it's a bit like kind of how life has to be run but now it has become intolerable because we our politicians just simply don't connect to us and when we think they do you better look suspiciously close that it's not a facade that it's not a charlton running around your feet well shante white is not that i don't know if i have a true understanding of all of her ideas Besides, obviously, her environmental uh, ideas and inspiration from her Mexican vacation that I could have said more from. She's on a Mexican vacation with her partner when she realized that something had to be done about how we're destroying our planet. But to see someone under 30, a woman, having aspirations for better change, for Peterborough, for our world in general, is just really quite delightful to see. And I hope, unlike other people that have tried this, other women in particular have tried this who have been shot down, that she is able to keep that, I can, that, can tell that she has that inner toughness, she keeps it going, and it does not stop. And we continue to need people like her. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, an episode of Shantae White. My thanks to Morgellana here. With, we get to hear a bit of his haunted planet as we cease for the night. Check out my show notes. Check out Corner of Hunter and George on Soundtraps, Spotify, and Apple. And like I said, I don't really give. A, I don't really care if you give me a review. I haven't gotten any yet, so I, should, you know, and I've been totally fine with it. Some trolling would be okay, but that's really you know, a bit being a bit vain of myself to expect such a thing. So anyway, I'll see you next time on Corner of Hunter and George. <laughs>